every case we cover, we really want to try our best to be caring and compassionate and respectful of the victims themselves, but most importantly to the families and the loved ones of, of the victims. Hopefully, we never, ever seem disconnected because it's just a story or just words on paper, but it's not. It's much more. It's a family hurting. Quite possibly, they're going through the worst time of their life. So no matter how many years pass, the pain is, is still there. So I hope but we always can uh, see every case, see the victims and their families for what they are. They're people that need compassion. They're people that need healing. And sometimes they're people that need a voice, a loud voice. Today I want to talk about kind of a subject that is, you hear it on about every podcast, or most of them anyway, is missing, missing persons, missing people. Um, in, partic in particularly, I want to speak about a case that is local in the area that I actually live in. Um, there is, a, there's not a lot that's out there to, it, with, with this case. There's just really nothing. I'm not sure. I've reached out to some of the family, um, and where we weren't, we're not, we haven't been able to, to lock down a time where, you know, everybody's schedule is, is kind of corresponding to, uh, to get together and do a, an interview or, or, um, and, you know, I understand where families can be skeptical. You know, they don't know me and you've got somebody reaching out to want to, to do something for them uh, or a case, you know, that they're involved involved with, uh, and they don't know my intentions. So hopefully, my goal here is to put out the basics of this case, and that's all we have. Is basically, we have a missing persons flyer with the description of the the individual and the dates uh, that they were last seen. Um, I'm not sure what law enforcement has done, uh, if anything. Um, I know that with technology the way it is today that there's things that can be done with cell phones. And, and obviously in any disappearance or any missing person case, it's really important to, to see what the person was doing in the days leading up to the disappearance, the people they were hanging with. And hopefully something will uh, break loose with this case. Um, so what I can do, and I know I don't have a huge platform, but I've got a platform. I've got a podcast, and I enjoy doing the podcast. And I hope that it grows, and I hope that it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And so all I can do is not sound like I'm in a tin can and try to give you content that's worth listening to. And, of course, I'm not saying that it's all entertainment, but you do have to have a degree of of entertainment to it, so, I mean, to keep someone listening. But our main goal here today is to shed a light on this story. Now, like I said, I don't know 
to what extent has been done, not done, whatever. There literally is zero information. So all I can do is start with the missing persons and anybody that's been gone for a year or almost a year and has uh, not reached out to family, uh, There's that, that would definitely be very suspicious. And you know, the family knows. And, and anything I want to disclose here today, anything that I say, this is not necessarily my opinion uh, of law enforcement or family. I, think, I just want to kind of put out facts and then maybe you can, you know, I think it's a good idea to throw around a few different possibilities of, uh, and ideas. So by no means are we trying to bash the family, bash the friends, bash law enforcement, bash the community. Absolutely not. All we're trying to do here is to shed a light on this situation and on this case. Um, and, and in hopes that, you know, we do this, maybe that uh, the family can see that, you know what, all we're trying to do is to help. And uh, I hope that we we do that. So with that being said, I have um, a few podcast uh, friends and family that uh, have a lot more listeners than I do, and they have a lot more pull than I do. And so I'm going to give a shout out, and I'm going to ask that they also either share this podcast or maybe share the missing person's information on this case that their followers, their listeners can also in turn, you know, see uh, see what they think about what's going on with this case. And like I said, there is nothing here. I've Googled and Googled and Facebooked and Googled and Googled, and there is nothing. Um, there is a missing persons page on uh, Facebook that has this, and I've, I've tried to share it. But I'm hoping that this podcast, and I'm going to reach out to my podcasting friends and family. Now, some of these are acquaintances that I've spoken to or have messaged with, and a couple of them are just some of the podcasts that I listen to on a regular basis. And I think that they're what I would call, you know, they're heavy hitters in, in, in this world, and uh, hopefully they'll help. So, Melissa Morgan, Just the Tipsters, my number one. You know that. You've helped me out tremendously more than anyone else, and I will always be grateful and appreciate that. Sarah Turney, Voices for Justice, she has been on a crusade to uh, get to the bottom of her uh, sister, Alyssa, Alyssa Turney's case, and she is, I mean, she's amazing. She, just the work that she does, is, is uh, it just blows my mind. Um, I guess, now, Stephen Pachenko, Trace Evidence, I love listening to, to Steve. It's an excellent podcast. You've got Lance and Tim with Missing Mara Murray, which that to me was the 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 cornerstone of all podcasting. It was that podcast, I think, that got a lot of people into listening to podcasts and podcasting. So they do that, uh, Missing Mara Murray. They do Crawl Space, uh, Empty Frames. Plus, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they produce... Uh, and have a studio that they produce many podcasts out of. So they're, they're, those guys are really, really doing well. Um, Unresolved Podcast, True Crime Garage, Nick, Captain, and Going West Podcast. Those are a few of the ones I like. Those, I've mixed in a couple of uh, friends uh, there also. And I'm asking that you guys 
if you, I mean, I'm not saying share this podcast. Don't even worry about that. What I am saying is if you will maybe just figure out a way to, you know, put the, just the missing person's information out. That's all I'm asking. So I want to also disclose that certain topics that may come up through this episode concerning missing people, missing persons, does not reflect specifically to this case. So if I go in and we, we start talking about the statistics in Tennessee, East Tennessee missing people versus statistics of drug abuse in this area, we're not by no means linking the two together. We're just basically just talking facts about missing people in Tennessee and obviously we want to shed some light on this case here. So I appreciate you guys listening and uh, this is the first episode of the new year of the weekly podcast. Missing person cases are some of the most difficult to to solve, or not necessarily to solve, but to to to, to start out. I mean, to get to get the ball rolling. Um, the, those first hours after the person's missing is crucial. So a lot of times people think, well, they have to be missing for 24 hours, 48 hours. If they're an adult, they have the right to go missing, and all these things to a degree are true. But the 24-hour thing. I don't think it's necessarily true. Everywhere that I've looked, they've called that a myth. But there, there may be some, some counties or some, you know, municipalities or or areas that do, they do that. I'm not sure. Now I know that there are some areas, uh, some that take the uh, missing person serious. There's some probably that brush you off. It, it I, I think that it's probably brushed off more than it's taken serious. Uh, then. When there is a case, you know, that uh, wasn't somebody just walking away or running off, then they're really, really, really behind the game because so much time has passed. And I understand, too, that if you just, you know, every person that didn't show up two hours, you know, two hours late, but I don't feel like the people are so quick to call in law enforcement to report someone missing just because there might be an hour late for dinner or, you know, didn't didn't come home by 3 a.m., different things. But you, you had, I feel like that as law enforcement, you must take each individual case for what it is, individual case, because these loved ones know the patterns and habits of, these, of, of their loved ones, the people that may, have, may go missing. And so for law enforcement not to lend an ear and to take it seriously and to, to validate what they're saying is foolish. I mean, just because in their eyes, maybe some of their past behaviors were not up to par with them, or they didn't think that, you know, they, that some of their actions were socially acceptable. So they want to form uh, an opinion. They want to step up on their, uh, they want to mount their proverbial high horse, and they want to look down upon on everyone. Now, I'm not saying that's every scenario, but it is a scenario, I promise. So, I want to go ahead and give you the information to the case that we are wanting to spotlight here. Uh, like I said, there is absolutely nothing. And there is a mother out there that is tormented by this, and my heart truly goes out to her. Truly goes out to her. Uh, 
So what we've got is March the 22nd, 2019. We've got Jonathan Lee Ellis, 35 years old, of Johnson City, Tennessee. He is six foot one, 220 pounds, hazel eyes, brown hair. Tattoos are Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, down the outer left calf. The word blessed on left arm. The word infamous on right arm. Now, due to an automobile accident, he has a metal rod in his left leg and a metal plate in the right hip. Any questions or any tips, any information, call the Washington County Sheriff's Department at 423-788-1414. So we can't see. Let's see if we can't shed some light on, on this case. Now, like I said, I've, I've messaged with some of the family, and I'm hoping that this bit that we're doing here might make them, hopefully, make them feel a little more comfortable with what we're doing, and maybe we can get an interview uh, to get a little bit of background of what was going on in his life around that time. Now, I have looked on uh, the Facebook page, and I've noticed that uh, several of the or the fam, the family member. I'm not going to mention any names. The family member that that is closest to to the case was closest to Jonathan. Uh, stated that no, she doesn't really know who he was hanging out with. Kind of what was going on in the, in right there at the immediate time of uh, of his uh, disappearance. But March the 22nd, 2019. So we are coming up on one year now. Yes, people may say he's an adult, he's 35, he can do what he will. We don't really know the background of what was going on, but that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What matters here is that someone knows his ins and outs, and they know for a fact that he's not going to go almost a year and not reach out and not make contact to his family members, that even though maybe in the past he, he went a week, went a month, speculation, they know. They know what's going on. Let's listen to them. Let's li that's the worst thing in the world is for someone. Not only is this family missing a loved one, but when they feel like the, the very government or the very law enforcement agency that's supposed to, to be there for them in this time of need turns a blind eye or turns their back, that's not what I'm saying happened. I'm just saying let's not let that happen. And it may have happened. I, I, I do not know. But that, that would even be a double uh, kick in the gut to when you can't even be heard, you know? So looking at the state of Tennessee as a whole, the state allegedly has, and I'm going to just go through a few statistics here, has the most missing persons per capita. It's one of the most, not the most, but it's a 41.8% People missing per 100,000. That's in Tennessee. Uh, 361 people are missing, according to this report. And there is a... Um, which they, Actually, that was the average. The uh, number that they done as of February 22nd, 2019, 
It's a 5.4 missing persons per 100,000. And uh, see, well, hold on a second. See, we're going into an era of less editing, less editing, more, well, more natural. So see, I just naturally f that up. So let me back up. The state allegedly has one of the most missing persons per capita, with 41.8 people missing per hundred thousand. In Tennessee, 361 people are missing, according to the report. That is a 5.4 missing persons per 100,000. California has the most missing persons cases overall with 2,133 people alleged missing. I'll be honest with you, that doesn't make much sense to me. So we're going to scratch that first part. And hopefully, I'm not going to mess this up a third time. We're going to say this. In Tennessee... 361 people are missing. That's a 5.4 missing persons per 100,000 people. Boom. We got that. Now, according to NamUs, over 600,000 people go missing every year in the United States, ranging from young children to older individuals. Uh, famous missing person cases such as the Elizabeth Smart or Jimmy Claus disappearances are well well, no missing person cases, but countless other cases never make it to the spotlight. Like this case here. Jonathan Lee Ellis, 35, Johnson City, Tennessee. Last seen, March 22nd, 2019. That's a long time to be not heard from, from your family members. That's a long time. So, we know that February the 3rd is National Missing Persons Day. And it kind of gives the nation an opportunity to focus more on finding the missing persons. And in some states, they even uh, they expand the efforts. Arizona holds a Missing in Arizona Day each year where forensic experts, law enforcement, take information notes and, and record, they record about individuals missing in hopes to find, find some of these people. But um, just to kind of give a basic rundown, I'm not sure exactly what... Tennessee does, if anything, I know that uh, you you get you have the local law enforcement, then then state law enforcement, then federal law enforcement. But I know a lot of times the adult missing person is just an adult, to the, in their eyes, just an adult that's not wanting to be harassed by their family members. And I just feel like that a lot of times people get jaded and complacent, and it's they just don't want to do their job. And, I mean, put a little effort, if anything, put a little effort into giving the family a little bit of comfort to know that someone out there besides themselves gives a shit. Even if it's a phone call to say, hey, I've not done anything, but I was just curious if you'd found out anything. A little phone call, a little bit of compassion goes a long way because I promise you, now, like I said, I'm speaking hypothetically, so I'm not trying to piss anybody off. But we're real quick to just brush people off until it happens to us. But I promise you, if it was your child, by God, you would be doing beating the damn trees, the bushes, uh, turning over. You'd be doing everything, and you would be wanting everybody else to be doing everything that they could. You know? So...
the methodology behind some of the missing missing persons data is, um, and some of this data that I'm speaking of is it, it refers to different states and their their rates of, of disappearance. Um, a missing person is identified, or, or a missing person is defined as anyone whose whereabouts is unknown, whatever the circumstances of disappearance. They can be considered a lost person, someone who has voluntarily gone missing, or someone who is missing against their will. In our research, we uncovered some compelling data about missing persons. Okay, let me give you a little bit of this information. Of the 15,207 people currently missing in the U.S., approximately 60% are male and 40% are female. The average age of people when they go missing is around 34. As of January 2019, there are 106 children currently missing who were younger than a year old when they went missing. Now, we know a lot of times um, it is a custodial issue there. Now, not all times, but and we couldn't treat every case like that. That's why I said each case, and I really wish they would, and, and they may be, and maybe I'm just preaching to the choir, but I feel like that we're, we try to just paint everybody in every situation with just this broad brush. You know, oh, well, if the last five were like this, then this is like this. And every case should be taken as an individual case because things are going to be different. I just wish that a, a more of a, a approach was made to to just feel more like that someone is, is making an effort, that someone cares. Now, we know, all know that Alaska has the most missing persons per capita with 41.8 people missing per 100,000. I think that's what the, the status was saying earlier, which state had the most. So Alaska, by God, don't go. I'm just telling you, you won't come back. Massachusetts has the least missing persons per capita with 1.8 people missing per 100,000 population. I guess that's because Whitey Bulger is now uh, dead. So, but anyway, we'll be right back. Let me reiterate, Jonathan Lee Ellis, 35, Johnson City, Tennessee, went missing March the 22nd, 2019, last seen almost a year ago. He's six foot one, 220 pounds, hazel eyes, brown hair, tattoos, Ellis down outer left calf, blessed on his left arm, infamous on his right arm. Metal rod left leg, metal plate right hip. Any questions, comments, concerns, tips, uh, whatever, you call the Washington County Sheriff's Department, their office, 423-788-1414. And like I said, no one knows the ins and outs of what happened in this particular case. And when I'm speaking here, I'm definitely speaking in hypotheticals as far as what could or couldn't happen. But I think that's what a podcast should be. It should maybe put the tough, maybe nobody wants to say the shit out there, that if things are going on like that, maybe they can change. But I'm sure that there's instances where these these men and women, they're super brave, they put their life on the line every day, they go out there, they work hard, and they do an amazing job. But sometimes there's some of them that they just plain, they suck, just like everybody else. 
So we talked about the missing person at California, obviously the most. Uh, Rhode Island has the least of 20 people. That's crazy. Cities with the most missing people, uh, Los Angeles, 189. Phoenix, 170. Houston, 165. San Francisco, 163. Detroit, 150. There are 12,459 unidentified persons as of January 2019. So, if you want to know the 10, let me just run this stat by you. 10 states with the most missing persons, obviously it's Alaska, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, Vermont, Maine, Wyoming, Hawaii, New Mexico, Montana. You see a pattern? I don't know. You got the. It, it, it looks like that you've got a few states in the middle, but it's the outer limit. You got uh, Oregon and Washington. That's the Pacific Northwest. We know what goes on up there. Craziness, and plus, most a lot of that area is such dense forest. That good luck, you're gonna find anybody. Um, Vermont and Maine. The upper uh, eastern side of that, and you got Wyoming and Hawaii. I mean, it's I don't know about Hawaii, be it's not a lot of landmass, but I guess that's crazy. New Mexico and uh, Montana. Um, well, the fewest, like I said, Massachusetts, Rhode Island. Now, this is per capita, per population, Georgia. Illinois, um, Wisconsin, New Hampshire, Indiana, South Dakota, Iowa, Kansas. Good old Midwestern states. Um, I mean, like we were talking, missing persons cases are, I mean, they're gut-wrenching. It's because, you know, you don't, you hope for the best. And in some cases, and I would say in most cases, the person turns up. And I would say that's why a lot of these cases where there is something more sinister involved seems to sometimes, sometimes slip through the cracks. Because they're dealing with a situation to where, let's say 80% of the time, Bobby Sue shows back up. Uh... Or, or whatever the case may be. And so therefore, you know, when someone comes in and they're like, hey, my adult son has not reached out to me in three months, a month, whenever, the say, you file the report, ah, just, you know, he's an adult, he can go, you know, if there's nothing really that jumps right out at him, then they're not going to immediately take action. Or sometimes, speaking hypothetically, if an individual has a checkered past with maybe 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 they've made some mistakes and maybe in in law enforcement's eyes they they you know maybe stay in trouble you know they they tend to uh I think they have a different approach sometimes to that and I think that's wrong now that's not the case all the time and that's not I'm not saying that's the case here let me be very clear I'm trying to shed light on this case I have no idea there is nothing out there. I can find nothing. So that is one reason why I'm trying to do this here. 
So Johnson City, Tennessee is where Jonathan Lee Ellis was last seen on March 22, 2019. Uh, Johnson City, with a crime rate of 45 per 1,000 residents, Johnson City has one of the highest crime rates in America compared to all communities its size. From the smallest towns to the very largest cities, one's chances of becoming a victim of either violent or property crime here is 1 in 22. That's a little staggering to me. Um, but you've got Johnson City is a college town. I think most of your college students are just into getting through school and maybe getting a little rowdy every now and then, but they're not, I don't think, a root cause of the violent crime. Uh, I could be wrong. It could draw in, just the college itself could draw in a transient type or a violent type. I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's just hard to tell, but things like this happen can happen anywhere, so it's not that I mean, statistics are what they are, and there's some truth. To, I mean, I think there's some... A person needs to take it for what it's worth. It, it is exactly what it is. And um, But also, with that being said, I think a person should always be vi vigilant in what they do as far as taking care of watching out for themselves and their families. We'll be right back. All right, let's recap. So, we're talking about missing people, talking about Tennessee, we're talking about Johnson City, we're talking about Jonathan Lee Ellis, 35 years old, last seen March 22nd, 2019. He's six foot one, 220 pounds, hazel eyes, brown hair, tattoos that read Ellis down outer left calf, blessed on left arm infamous on right arm there's a metal uh, metal rod in the left leg metal plate in the right hip and this is due to a previous car accident um he's somebody's son he's somebody's dad he's a you know don't know him or any of his family personally but this is somebody that's loved and I think that they deserve something, an answer of some kind, or at least a, an outstretched hand or some compassion or, you know, just, I'm sure they want to feel like, if I'm obviously they want to find their loved one, and that's the main goal. But I'm sure they want to feel that the, the community that they're in is backing them and supporting them and not you know, turning a, a blind eye or turning a deaf ear to them. I'm not saying that that's, that's happening here. Like I said in the full disclosure, my point in doing this case right here today is to bring some awareness to the case. That's it. That's it. And if, if someone wants to get upset with me for that, then I'm sorry. But it's been on my heart to do for a while and... I was going to do just an intro, like a promo type, because I didn't have a lot of information. I don't. I don't know. I don't know a lot. And I was going to do an intro to another, you know, record another podcast on something else and do an intro. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to 
I'm just going to reiterate this. I'm going to talk about some missing missing persons, and I, I really feel like that it deserves more than five or six minutes, even though I don't really have more than five or six minutes worth of information. But if you've got a loved one that's missing, some steps that you might want to look at doing is obviously contact the police as soon as you have reason to worry. Don't fall into the, oh, you got to wait 24 hours, 48 hours. You've got to have them, you call them three times, six, you got to send 16 texts, uh, you got to do a, an email and a half. No. As soon as you feel that you have reason to worry, you contact the police. And I don't give a shit. You contact them. And if you don't get the right person you want to talk to, if you don't get the right answer, or if you don't feel like you got everything out you needed to say, you call back and call back and call back. You want to provide the police with information about the missing person. You want to keep a record of the report. You want to contact the National Missing and Unidentified Person System, NamUs, and you want to register your loved one with other missing persons databases, and you want to go through and maybe review their resources. But you want to immediately, as quick as you can, now I know some of those uh, websites may not allow you to be on if it's a day or two. I'm not sure the circumstances there. But these steps right here, as soon as you have reason to worry, contact police. Provide them with everything. It doesn't matter if it makes that person look bad, look terrible, look it doesn't matter. They need all the information that they can get that they that they can get their hands on to help find your loved one. So the first step, contact the police as soon as you have reason to worry. You don't have to wait a mandated or a mandatory amount of time to file a missing persons report. The faster you notify the police that your loved one is missing, the faster they can begin searching. Go to your local police department to file a report. And you should also understand the limits of what the police can do, especially if the missing person is an adult. It is not illegal for a person to go missing. Now, we know that that is the case the majority of the time. But sometimes it is not. So I think as long as law enforcement takes each individual case and treats them as individuals and looks at the individual circumstances, I think that we would probably solve some of the problems of maybe people feeling like they're being marginalized or whatever. Um, step two, provide the police with information about the missing person. To complete the missing person's report, you'll need to provide detailed information about the, miss about the missing person's physical characteristics and last known location. Have the following information ready when you go to the police station to file the report. Now, let's look with this case. From what I have gathered, now there may be more out there. Maybe I, I have not found it. Maybe it's out there. Maybe I'm just overlooking it. But from what I have found, the only location that we're able to obtain with Jonathan Lee Ellis, his last location was Johnson City. So that leaves really a lot to... Uh, a lot to speculate there. Johnson City is a fairly decent city, so it would be nice to maybe narrow that down a little bit. Um, three current photos of the person, a list of nicknames or aliases used by the person, a physical description including height, weight, age, hair color, eye color, build, you know, etc. A description of the clothing and shoes the person was last seen wearing. I don't think we have that with uh, Jonathan Ellis' case. Um, 
a list of possessions the person might be carrying, such as jewelry, glasses, contact lenses, accessories, a purse, a wallet, ID cards, etc. A list of scars, tattoos, and other identifying characteristics. We do have that. That's one good thing. Uh, we don't really have, like I said, the types of clothes that was wearing or different items that it may be carrying on him. Um, and that, that's something that's fairly normal, too, when you have... I'm not saying that that's bad, because, I mean, when you have a 35-year-old individual that goes missing, you know, I, if I went missing today, I doubt my mother or my family members would know anything that I had on my person or anything that I carried on a regular basis. So, you know, that's not... We're not saying... All I'm saying here is... When I see some of the things that maybe it'd be nice to have, I'm just pointing out that we don't have those here, maybe in hopes of figuring out what it was. So my intentions here are to shed light on this case, and I want to see some more information come out. Okay, we a list of scars, other different characteristics. We got that. A list of medications the person was taking, as well as allergies, handicaps, and other medical conditions. A list of relatives or friends of the missing person, along with contact information, a list of places the person frequents, a description of the person's car or a different mode of transportation, bicycle, etc., for example. You know, if, if it's applicable, um, a description of the situation surrounding the person's disappearance. And we've all watched the disappearance episodes that, where they talk about the person, what the person done up the last... 48 hours is crucial, and that is true. I, I feel like that, that that probably would give an idea of exactly where a person or uh, what happened to a person is if a person knew, you know, person, place, and thing, like where, where he was hanging out, who he was hanging out with, what he was doing. But if you don't have that information, you don't have it. Uh, number three says keep a record of the report. So you make sure you obtain a case number for your missing persons report. You write down the name of the person in charge of your case. Contact this person when you wish to follow up. It doesn't say contact this person when uh, a certain amount of time has elapsed. It doesn't say, it says contact this person when you wish to follow up, when you wish to follow up. So that, I'm going to interpret that as you call whenever you want. I could be wrong. Now, number four, contact the National Missing and Unidentified Persons System, NamUs. The U.S. Department of Justice operates this system. NamUs lets you upload information about a missing person for use by law enforcement officials, agencies, and individuals. The site helps missing persons cases wrap up sooner by provi providing this information to the public. Now, we all know that social media is basically, or it is crowdsourcing, and people solve cases yes dna evidence all this other stuff it solves cases but people solve cases somewhere somebody seen this individual before minutes hour whatever before they went missing somebody knows something now number five is register with other missing person databases or review their resources and what you can do here is you can use other databases designed to help find missing persons, many of which are geared towards specific characteristics. Considering register with additional databases to gain access to their free services and resources to help you find your missing person. 
Now, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children specializes in providing services for families of children who are missing. After you've reported a missing child to law enforcement, you can call the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at the 1-800-THE-LOST. That's 1-800-843-5678. The National Alliance on Mental Illness provides resources for families of people who have gone missing with mental illness. Uh, the website contains potentially useful materials, including, you know, suggested guidelines and, and different forums. So, you know, disappearances, missing persons, it, it's, it's, that's, like I said before, it's one of, it is the toughest type of case to get your head around your arms around get a to get a grasp on it because most of the time by the time anything breaks that it's of substance that is far too long to to uh, find a trail of someone that is uh, you know that is missing either the person is missing at his or her own free will or they are being held or they are just not found so we hope that in this case that it's a situation of, you know, and you never know, and I'm not saying that anyone has a, a history of mental illness, but you never know what happens. Somebody, everybody's got a breaking point. Maybe just had enough and just wanted to get away. You know, I would like to think that you, from what I've seen, he's got family that really cares and loves him, so I doubt that, that that's the situation. Um you know, maybe something happened and he's worried or embarrassed to, to tell his family or doesn't want to have to, to let them down or maybe he's let them down. He doesn't want to let them down again. It's just easier just to not be around, maybe. But I'm sure that this family would, would not care what happened or what was done as long as they could get their missing uh, loved one back. So with this individual case, we don't know exactly what happened. We don't know if it was free will, foul play, or held against his will. We're just not sure. But what we want to do by recording this podcast is shed light on the situation, on the case. So, Jonathan Lee Ellis, 35, Johnson City, Tennessee. He was last seen March 22, 2019. He is six foot one, 220 pounds, hazel eyes, brown hair, tattoos, Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, down outer left calf, the word blessed on left arm, the word infamous on right arm. Now these three tattoos here, these are going to be three, these are three very important clues because if you see an individual out or if you see someone in a position to where you think it's a little suspicious, these tattoos can be identifiers. So that, that's a good bit of information to have out there. Um, now, metal rod and left leg, uh, metal plate and right hip, that is something that would be needs to be out there just in case, if God forbid, something has happened. But we need to shed some light on this case whether this young young man has simply decided he wants to move to California and never talk to his family again, I don't care. That doesn't matter. We still, 
I still want to shed some light on it. And even if it's a phone call that says, hey, hey, I'm sorry, I've, I've come out here, I, I didn't want to tell anybody, then so be it. That's not a waste of time, in my opinion. So we want to shed light on this case, on this family, on this individual, in hopes to find some answers, some information, or maybe just some comfort in knowing that somebody cares, that somebody cares. And she knows, I've seen tons of people, they care, they care, but we care too. We care too. So if you've got any information, any information, I don't care how minute or how small you might think it is, any information, any questions, any information, you contact the Washington County Sheriff's Office at 423-788-1414. Let's give this family a voice. This is the weekly podcast.